You are listening to the Purpose Church High School Ministry Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've heard them all, God has something to say to you. Our vision is to see every student everywhere following Jesus, and we hope this message helps you take your next step in your faith. To learn more about our high school ministry, visit our website, purposechurch.com HSM, and check us out on Instagram at purposehsm. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Kicking off our brand new series in HSM. So if, you picked, if you're new here, you picked a great night to join us because we're beginning a brand new series, a sermon series uh, called When You Pray. And I bet all of us in this room have lots of questions about prayer. And I am so excited for us as a high school ministry to explore this the entire month of March. And so tonight, tonight, you guys have the privilege of hearing from my favorite preacher in the entire world. Uh, Sarah is uh, my wife. We've been married almost 14 years now, um, which is awesome. 14 is a cool year. And... Um, I just think she is such a gifted communicator. And it's been a long time since she preached in HSM. And so when I asked her, I said, would you preach for HSM? She was so excited to open God's word and to talk about something that is so core to her heart and to her passions. And so I am so excited for you guys to hear her. So would you guys give a huge HSM welcome to Sarah Holmstrom? Thank you, guys. You guys are awesome. I'm so, like Eric said, I'm so excited and so honored to be here and really excited to talk about my all-time favorite topic, which is prayer. And Eric has been a high school pastor since before we were married, so we've gotten to do a lot of high school ministry together, and we love high schoolers, and we love you, so I'm really excited to be here. And I don't say that prayer is my favorite subject because I'm really good at it or because I do it all the time. In fact, for me, it's really the opposite. I think growing up, it was really hard for me to pray, and some of the reasons were I had a really hard time believing that God really loved me and that he was a good dad, and other reasons, even now, is sometimes you get so busy and so distracted or you don't even believe prayer is going to actually change anything, so I think prayer can be a huge challenge, and I think that's why I love it so much, because over the past couple of years, God really woke up my heart and had me recommit to prayer, and he used that to change my whole life, so I feel really really blessed and excited that I get to open this series, When You Pray. And I wanted to start by sharing um, a story that happened this summer, because when I heard this topic and that I would get to talk about it with you, I thought, I have to tell them about what God did this summer, because I think it was not just for me, but also for you. So anyway, this summer, we did something kind of crazy. We um, took a whole month off of work, and I actually turned my phone off for a month, and I highly recommend it. It was really good, Um, but I just was having one of these days where I just felt like I had a lot of problems, a lot of issues. Anybody have some issues? Not the only one? Right. Okay, so I had a day where I was just so overwhelmed with um, some struggles and with some issues, and I felt like I just couldn't enjoy the moment or the day. I felt sad. I felt anxious, and I couldn't sleep, and I'm tossing and turning, and all of a sudden at 3 in the morning, I just sat up, and I was like, God, please speak to me. Will you tell me why I'm feeling this way? Tell me why I'm so upset and why fear is creeping in and why I feel all of these emotions and why I'm wrestling with these thoughts. Would you give me a word? And Um, Sometimes I do that and I don't really hear anything or a verse pops into my head, but this time I just felt this word pop into my head out of nowhere, and the word was tether, and I felt like God was saying, there's more going on than these thoughts that you're wrestling with. You're really living your life 
untethered and not believing that you're securely attached to me. And I knew it was God because I was kind of like, what even is a tether? I've not, I haven't really thought about that word. And he kind of reminded me as I was thinking about it, you know, a tether, like you are tethered onto a spaceship, right? If you walk around the moon, you have to be able to breathe and stay tethered to your spaceship. Or if you're in a boat, your boat is tethered. It's anchored to keep you safe in a storm. Or if you jump out of an airplane, which I would never do. I used to think I would. But if you jumped out of an airplane, you're tethered to your instructor, right? And they're the one that pull, pulls the parachute so you survive. So a tether is really important. It keeps you really securely attached. And so I'm just in the middle of the night, I'm just asking him, well, why? Like, why am I so untethered? Why do I think everything is up to me? Why do I feel like I have to live my life on my own? And why don't I have this security and this safety in you that I want to have? And I felt like he just reminded me of something from when I was little, when I was a baby. I don't remember it, but I know that um, my family and I were in a really bad car wreck. A drunk driver hit our car, and my dad and my sister died. And he, you know, was kind of I'm like, why is that popping into my mind? And I was thinking about how I was the only one in that car wreck that was conscious. So I saw my dad and my sister pass away. And these were people that I was really securely attached to and connected to. And then my mom, for the whole year-ish after that, um, she had trouble even getting out of bed because of her physical pain and her emotional pain. So other people took care of me. And that was somebody also that I was securely attached to. And it was like this light bulb went off. It was like free counseling from the Holy Spirit, and he reminded me that you're living your life that way. Like, that was when you first started to believe that lie, that you weren't attached, but now you're forgetting that I'm with you in every situation, that you can cry out to me, that we're safe in any storm. We might go through some crazy things, but I am with you, keeping you safe. And I was thinking back over my life and all the times that fear gets really loud when I go inside my own head instead of crying out to him or when I turn to other things um, because there was nowhere I was firmly attached. And the next day, I heard this song, and it's really beautiful. It's called Tethered by Phil Wickham, and it says, I just want my life to ever be entwined with you, tethered to your heart. I just want my soul to ever stand in awe of you, tethered to your heart. And that's really what prayer is. It's entwining our lives with God. It's stopping going at it alone and crying out to him all day long, every day. And so now when I'm in situations where I start to feel sad or overwhelmed or anxious, I just say that word a lot to myself. I'm like, tether, tether, remember to tether and remember to pray. We might go through really hard stuff, me and God, but I'm not doing it by myself anymore. And so my question for you um, is, have you ever felt overcome by fear or anxiety or sadness? Or have you ever felt like you were out in choppy waters and there was no tether in sight? Um, that, if you have felt that way, which I think we all have, that is totally the enemy's idea. Anxiety is his idea. He wants us to believe that we are not securely attached to anybody, that nobody would understand if we shared what we were going through, and that God doesn't really love us, that he's not really a good dad. And all of our stories are different. Some of you might be thinking, well, you know, I haven't lost a parent or a sibling. It doesn't matter. We have all gone through things in our life that have made us think, for whatever reason, maybe God doesn't love me. Maybe I'm too far gone. Maybe I'm all alone and I have to figure this out 
all by myself. Um, but I love this verse in Psalm 68. I just read it the other day. Psalm 68, 5 and 6 says that God is a father to the fatherless. He is our dad. Um, and he sets the lonely in families. So maybe some of you, it's hard for you to think of God as a good dad. Maybe you don't have a relationship with a good dad, and that's my story. But God is a father to the fatherless. And he sets the lonely in, the, in families. And then later in that same psalm, he says, God will daily carry our burdens. So every single day, he wants to carry our burdens, the big ones and the small ones. So anyway, we're going to jump into the passage, but before I started, I just wanted to tell you that I believe that that word tether was not just for me, but that it's for you too, and God wants you to know that you are securely attached to him, and that he's going to be with you, holding you all throughout your life, wherever you go. So, okay, we're going to look at Matthew 6, 5 through 9, and I love this passage because there are three really important things that Jesus teaches us about prayer, um, and this is his famous Sermon on the Mount, and I believe that if we really take these three things to heart, it will completely change the way we pray, and it will completely transform our lives. God will transform our lives through prayer. So let's look at Matthew 6, 5 through 9. It says, and when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, there's that when you pray again, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will re reward you. And when you pray, he says it again, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And the three things that I want us to dive into tonight are that first phrase, when you pray, that Jesus said three times in this passage, the word our, and then the word father. So first, let's look at when you pray. I think this is really exciting because it's not just in this passage, but all throughout scripture, we're commanded to devote ourselves to prayer, to pray persistently, to pray always. So prayer, this is one of your fill in the blanks, prayer is a command, not a suggestion. Jesus says when you pray, not if you pray. Nowhere in the Bible is prayer a suggestion or prayer something just for the super spiritual people. He commands us, it's our will, it's his will for our lives that we would talk with him all day long. And that just, that makes me, it just blows me away that the creator of the universe wants to talk with us all day long. He wants to hear our hearts. He wants us to hear his heart. He wants us to listen and read his word and speak his word back to him. That's how he wants us to live our lives. Um, and I love this passage too because he says, you know, don't go on using all of these perfect words. It's not about that. It's not about um, praying to make yourself feel better or feel more spiritual or to impress other people. It's you having a real conversation with God because he wants to share our lives with him. I love 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 because I, I used to always try to figure out, God, what is your will for my life? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to be when I grow up? I'm still figuring that out. But this is what I know for sure. He says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And I love this so much because we can wake up in the morning and just say, good morning, God. 
That counts. That's a prayer. We can read the scripture and pause and say it out loud back to God. We can just be driving in our car and just start thanking him for different things. We can, when we can't sleep at night, we can fall asleep just praising him for our day or for his goodness, for, for the things that he's given us. Prayer is a get-to. And when you think about it, it's pretty cool that we get to do that, that he wants us to do that. He doesn't say like, oh, can you stop crying out to me? No, he loves it when we cry out to him and when we talk with him. Um, so I want to look back at verse 8 because I think that's really cool. It says that he knows what we need before we even ask it. That is how intimate he is with us and how close he is with us. I used to read this verse and think, well, then why should I pray? He already knows what I need. But I think that's what's so beautiful is that he knows us even better than we know ourselves. And he already knows what we need, but he still wants us to go to him and tell him what we need and ask him to speak to us. Um, I remember when I was in high school, I was acting back then, and there was this part I really wanted. And I remember just trying to do this perfect prayer where I was like, holy God, please, if it's your will, may I have this part, but if it's not, I will still glorify you. And I felt like God, I think he's funny. I, I feel like I've experienced him to be funny, but I feel like he just interrupted my thoughts and he was like, Sarah, just ask me for the part. I know you want it. And I just kind of laughed right in the middle of my prayer. And I'm like, I'm sorry, God, can I please have this part? I really want it. And I didn't get the part. But I did have this breakthrough moment where I realized he wants the real me. I don't have to pretend or be perfect around him. In fact, that's the opposite of what he wants. He wants me to talk with him. He wants the real me. And you know what I think is so cool about prayer is the main reason we pray is to talk with Jesus and to grow closer to him. But also there's so much research that shows us just how important and how powerful prayer is. Um, so some benefits of prayer are reduced stress. I could take some of that. Increased self-awareness, better communication, a more empathetic and forgiving attitude toward others. And then there's some new research out that shows that the practice of prayer during childhood and during the teenage years actually is linked to better physical, mental, and emotional well-being as an adult. And that's really cool. Like, God helps us. He is the only one that can rewire our brains. He is the only one that can come in there and change the way we think. There's nothing else that will do that for us, which is pretty cool. And I love how God designed prayer not just to be good for our hearts and our souls, but it's also good for our minds and good for our bodies. And one of the biggest lies of the enemy, this is why it's so hard to pray, you guys, is because he doesn't want us to pray. But one of his biggest lies is that we are too far gone. That if anybody knew the real us, they wouldn't love us anymore. So we fill our lives with distraction and with busyness and with social media and with all of the things. Um, but God, our amazing Heavenly Father, just wants our hearts. He just wants us to stop and breathe and talk to him. So my kind of goal for us at the end of this message is to make a decision either for the first time or again to recommit to prayer and not just waiting for a disaster or a crisis to pray and not just praying before we eat our meals, but really spending time each day going to God, crying out to him, telling him what we need. So let's look at where Jesus tells us to start when he teaches us how to pray. Verse 9 says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. So if we break down those two words, our and Father, um, I think there's a lot that Jesus wants to teach us just in those two words. So first let's look at our. Um, 
Tether your life to other believers because we are better together. Tether your life to other believers because we are better together. And tether, of course, means to tie on tight. So my challenge to you is to tie yourself on tight, securely fasten yourself to your life group, to your leaders, to your family, to your church. I love that Jesus was so intentional to start with the word our. He could have said, pray like this, my God, my father, my dad, but he uses our, which I think is so cool, you guys, is that he made us to do life together. We were never meant to do it on our own, and we have each other, and we do have a personal relationship with God that's really important, but we're supposed to be praying for each other, to carry each other's burdens, to come to church, to not give up meeting together, and to hear about what God's doing in our lives. Um, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And what I think is interesting is, again, another lie from the enemy, but this is so contrary to the world that you guys are growing up in. We're living in a really disconnected world. There are so many things that we do online, and not that that's all bad, but um, it's just interesting, right? We can order our things that we need online. We can even order our coffee and not even talk to the barista, like just do it on our phone and then go pick it up. Does anybody do that? I do that sometimes, yeah. Or have you ever texted your family members from another room? We do that. We're kind of living in a world where that is the norm. And we get these dopamine hits every time our phone buzzes or we get a like on Instagram or TikTok. These uh, things aren't bad, but they're just a cheap counterfeit. They're not the real thing. It's not real relationship. It's so much easier to text somebody and say, I'll pray for you, than to see somebody in person and say, hey, can I pray for you? That's scary. That's like really terrifying to do that, but that's bearing each other's burdens. That's what Christ has called us to do. Um, and it's so much easier to, to tell somebody, you know, just send them a quick text, but to really share what's going on, something hard, something maybe embarrassing or shameful, to share that to somebody and ask them for prayer. There's so much power in that, but that is so contrary to what seems like the norm. Um, and back in the day, we lived in villages, and we lived in communities, and people helped each other, and um, I know that that's not all bad, but it does take us farther away from God, and it makes us think, okay, I got this. I don't need anybody, but we don't got this, and we cannot do this on our own, and we are not enough. We need each other, and we need God to help us. He designed us to go through life with other believers. Something that Eric always says, he always says, there are no only children in the family of God, and that is so true. We are all brothers and sisters, and we are supposed to be wrapping our arms around each other and helping each other. And this is another one that I love. Hebrews 3.13 says, Encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So when you take that extra second to encourage somebody, you are playing a part in protecting their heart and softening their heart and pointing them to Jesus because that's what God designed for us to do. It's kind of like this. Can we watch the, the little video? Thanks, Kareem. I love that video so much. Thank you for letting me play that. Vladi's baptism was so awesome. I was there and I cried when I saw it. 
But that is what we are meant to do for each other, to encourage each other, to support each other, to be excited, to rejoice with each other, and to mourn with each other. And um, Galatians 6.2 says, Bear one another's burdens, for this fulfills the law of Christ. So I was looking at that verse, and the word to bear in the Greek actually can mean to take away or carry away. And then the word burden means weight. So we are actually called, if we look at this verse in context, to be a follower of Jesus means we look for somebody with a weight and we take it away. We carry it away from them. We cannot walk by somebody and let them carry a burden on their own. So in other words, nobody should go through situations alone. You shouldn't and nobody around you should because this is one of the responsibilities we have as a body of Christ. So I want you guys to think right now, what is a burden that you are carrying alone? And I know it's so scary to share that, but maybe tonight in your life group you'll be brave enough to share it. Or maybe there's somebody in your life who's carrying a burden and there's a way that you can come alongside them and pray for them. Um, When I was in college, I went through a really dark time. I had been struggling for a while with an eating disorder and I didn't tell anybody. I was so ashamed. I was so embarrassed. um, And I felt like I couldn't share it with anybody. And I remember one day I was just on my bathroom floor in my apartment and I just was sobbing and I just felt so empty inside. I felt like maybe Satan had just won the battle for my life. I didn't even feel like I could be called a child of God. I didn't even feel like there was any reason for me to go on living and it was the darkest, most hopeless moment of my life. And then later on, something told me, and now I know that that was the Holy Spirit, but something told me I just had to share it at my small group. I had a small group of girls, and I was so terrified of their reaction, but they just had the most beautiful reaction. Um, They walked alongside me. One girl in particular, her name was Molly. She said, you know, Sarah, I feel like God has put this on my heart, but I'm going to wake up with you every day at 6 a.m. So she set her alarm every day at 6 a.m., and she met with me and prayed with me, and um, they helped me to find a counselor, and God really used them to come alongside me and to bear that burden, to pick up that weight, and to point me back to Jesus. So if you are feeling that way, that is how Satan lies. He is the father of lies, and he wants us all to think that we are the only one carrying whatever burden we're carrying. Um, So if you're struggling with insecurity or with anxiety or with depression or with suicidal ideation or anything, if you're struggling with anything and you feel like you're the only one, that's not true. You are not alone, and it is our joy to walk alongside you and carry those burdens. Um, I was reading a recent study in Time magazine. It said 2 million teens in America are struggling with depression and 6 million with anxiety disorders. So again, you are not alone. Take it to your life group, um, to your parents, to the pastors at this church, to your leaders. Um, this This team of spiritual grandparents and small group leaders is the best I've ever seen, you guys. I've gotten to hear from Eric and from Pastor Claire and even just seeing the way that they pray for you before and the messages that they send in on the text thread. They love you guys and they want you to know you're not alone. So it is a joy and not a burden um, for you to share these things with us. Um, And of course, sharing with others and going to counseling and opening up to your life group and sharing with your parents, all of that is so powerful. 
But the most important thing you can do is to start talking with God, to start letting him carry your burdens, to start crying out to him. I was reading today in Psalm 5, 3, and it said, David said, in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. So start your day. Just roll over on your knees next to your bed and say, God, I'm giving you all these requests, and I'm going to wait expectantly. I know you're my good dad, and I'm going to let you handle it. So let's talk about that second word, um, father. He says, our father. Uh, So the next big point is tether your life to God's heart because he's a good father. I love this word father. Um, He could have told us to pray in very specific ways. He could have said, okay, say my sovereign Lord or say holy heavenly one. And there are so many names for God. But when Jesus really wanted us to understand prayer, he says father. He wants us to know that God is a passionate dad who runs after his kids and brings them home. And some of you guys might have a great relationship with your dad, and that is amazing. It's probably maybe easier for you to imagine God as this really good dad that's even better than your dad. But some of you, like me, might not have that and might not have a dad that you can call and um, confide in. But God, like we said earlier, he's a father to the fatherless. He is the only perfect parent. And his love for us is never-ending, and it's not something that we could ever earn on our own. He just gives it out because he loves us. So we're going to look at Luke 15, if you have your Bibles, at the prodigal son. This is my favorite story that Jesus told in the whole Bible. And the gist of the story is there's a son who commits a really awful offense against his father. He tells his father he wants his money, his share of the estate, and he's basically saying, Dad, I wish that you were dead. I don't want a relationship with you. I just want your money. And so everybody listening to Jesus' story was probably like, oh, that is the worst thing I've ever heard. That's a horrible son. He should never be forgiven. But Jesus keeps telling the story. And the father gave the son the money. And the son, the younger son, he ran away and he spent all of the money on really awful things. He was living this wild, promiscuous life. And then it says, Jesus says that, All of a sudden, his money's gone, he's starving, he's lonely, he's afraid, he has nothing, he hits rock bottom. And then he finally comes to his senses, and he thinks to himself, okay, I know my dad will never, ever forgive me, but maybe he would let me be a servant in his home. Maybe I could come back and serve, and at least I would have food and somewhere to sleep. And so he's starting this journey back home. And then Jesus says um, in verse Uh, I forget what verse it is. Hold on. Oh, okay, here we go. Verse 20, (laughs) Jesus says, um, so he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around his son, and kissed him. So what I love about this, so many things, but one thing is while he was still a long way off, the father saw him. That means... The father was looking for him. Every day he didn't give up on his son. He had already forgiven his son. He was out there just waiting for his son to come back to him. And I think it's kind of funny to think about because in the Middle East during this time, men would never run. They were maybe women or children or young men, but men like this dad's age, they would walk like 
everything was very dignified. Like they, but he was running. He didn't care what anybody thought. And he wrapped his arms around his son. And everybody would have been looking at him like, you are foolish. You are extravagant. You are over the top with your love. And he wrapped his arms around his son, and the son started the speech. You know, he's like, I'm not worthy to be your son, but maybe I can be your servant. And the dad says no. He puts a robe around him. He puts sandals on his feet, a ring on his finger. He says, you are lost, and now you are found. You are my son. And he throws him this huge party. And then meanwhile, there's another son who is just as lost as this son, the older son. And he won't even go into the party because he's so angry. He says, Dad, I've been here. I've been working. I've been obeying you all this time. But the dad says, yeah, but we got to celebrate because my son was lost and now he's found. And so many times I have found myself like both of those sons. And maybe there's one that you can relate to more tonight. The one that has just run away from God's love or the one who just thinks that it's by doing and doing and working and busyness and being distracted and you're not even close to the father's heart because you are just doing, doing, doing. But in both cases, This dad is such a good dad who just wants to bring his kids back home. He's not angry. He's not disappointed. He runs to you. The second you turn to him, he runs to you and wraps his arms around you. So maybe some of you might try as you're driving home tonight just saying, hey, God, and maybe you haven't prayed in a long time. And there's no side of him that is like, oh, well, finally, here you are showing up. He runs to you and he wraps his arms around you because he loves you so much. Um, I bet that this story was his favorite story to tell because he wanted us to understand God's heart and how much God loved us and that God is a good father ready to forgive us and wipe us clean no matter where we've been. And he doesn't want to leave us stuck in our situation or in our sin. He wants to restore us and give us a spot back in his family. Um, And that's why he loves you. He doesn't love you because of anything you could do um, or anything you're good at or anything that you've earned. He just loves you. I, I wasn't planning on saying this, but I'm just thinking about when Eric and I had our first son, Charlie. I remember driving to work every day, and he was in his car seat. And this is, like, so embarrassing, but I would make up all these really lovey-dovey songs about him, just like how precious and perfect and wonderful. And he'd never even like cleaned the bathroom or like kissed me or said, I love you. He was just this little blob, but I just loved him because he was my son. And that is how God feels about us. He loves you because you're his daughter and because you're his son. And there's this quote that I wanted to show you, David Timms from Living the Lord's Prayer. Um, He says, that way is love, a deep abiding, life-changing experience of the love of the Father. His love shines for giving light into the dark closets of our lives. His love is unrelated to our performance and thus disconnects us from our achievements or failures. His love guarantees a secure future. That's being tethered. We are safe in his love and secure. His love alone delivers us from the house of fear. And each time we utter utter the word Father in the prayer, that name opens the door of our fear and insecurity and invites us outside to freedom. Amen. That is so cool. Um, I just want to end by saying maybe you don't know for sure that God loves you or you don't feel loved in your family. Um, But that's 
a prayer that he wants to answer. He wants to give you a family. He wants to come around you and show you that he loves you. Um, we find security when we know we are fully loved by a good dad. So my challenge to you is to tether your heart to God through prayer and tether your life to other believers because we are never meant to do it on our own. So I think we can recommit to prayer in so many ways, but just a simple way is to memorize this verse. This is my favorite verse to pray and to talk about with God because I still, at my age, after walking with God all these years, I still forget that he loves me and that I'm okay just as I am because I'm his child. Um, but 1 John 3, 1, it says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we would be called children of God, and that is what we are. And lavish is like this excessive, over-the-top, like that dad running with all of his might. It's that kind of love. And that's how he feels about you. Not because anything you have ever done for him, but just because you're his son and you're his daughter and he loves you. So my challenge or my homework is that this week you would start every day with prayer. So before you open your phone and get to your to-do list, you would just kind of fall out of your bed onto your knees and say, God, Help me to believe this. Help me to believe that you love me, that you're my dad, and that I'm a child of God. Just say 1 John 3, 1 back to him and ask him to help you change your mind. And that's a prayer that he loves to answer. Um, okay, I'm going to pray for you guys now. God, thank you so much for this time that we've had. Thank you that we get to call you dad, that we get to call you father. And God, I don't know all of the things that each um, person in this room is carrying, but you know, God. You know all of our weights. You know all of the lies that we've believed. Um, you know all of the things that we're trying to do on our own. So God, would you help us um, just to remember that phrase, let dad handle it. Would you help us to think of you as a good dad who's not going to stop loving us? Would you help us to just lay it all out at your feet and trust that you love us? Would you help us to become people of prayer, people that go to you every day, talking with you, listening to your voice? Thank you for every single one of these students, and I pray that they feel your love tonight. Amen.